Warning, this episode contains explicit content. Please proceed with caution. up and welcome to whiskey sex talk i am your host romeo and i'm your co-host kim kim how's it going romeo good <laughs> good excited uh, I, to be back here i'm actually excited for this episode like all episode I'm, I'm really excited but uh so ladies and gentlemen on this episode we are going to be talking about israeli whiskey and uh <laughs> The one thing I live in Israel, I've had Israeli whiskey. I I like them. I've had uh, a couple of them. I think I've had milk and honey, Golani, and uh, I am a fan. And I'm actually very very excited that you're going to be talking about this and walking us through. So Kim, let's get started. So um, continuing our exploration to of New World whiskeys, what can you tell us about Israeli whiskey? Uh, well, Romeo, I too am very excited about this episode, especially because of your personal interest and involvement. Um, so as a reminder to our Whiskey Sex Talk, talk listeners, uh, New World Whiskey is a broad category that basically includes whiskeys that are produced outside of kind of the big four, um, Ireland, Scotland, America, and Canada. Uh, and as you know, being an Israeli citizen, the big news is that an Israeli whiskey won world's best single malt at the 2023 World Whiskey Awards this past April 2023. Yes. Yeah, I was I was and I was aware I was very well aware of that. Um, I know. Very exciting. That's like very big news. Um, so the the whiskey was Tel Aviv's uh, Milk and Honey Distilleries Elements Sherry Cask, and it won the top honor in the single malts field, and then also won uh, Best Israeli Whiskey No Age Statement. And so it's interesting, you know, we've got kind of a theme here going, um, like other New World whiskeys of distinction, like Cavalon from Taiwan and Amrut out of India. Uh, Milk and Honey also worked very closely with the late Dr. Jim Swan. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, and he's, uh, as you may remember, he was known as the Einstein of whiskey. Yes. And he was and then he was actually Milk and Honey's distiller and consultant until 2017 when he sadly passed away. Wow. And, and then sadly passed away. And Tomer Gorin is now the current head distiller. So... That's, you know, very big news out of, uh, you know, on the Israeli whiskey scene. You know, you know, what's so interesting is um, when I started this podcast right around the same time, I was actually in, in the process of moving to Israel and <laughs> I had I came on a pilot trip to Israel to check out Haifa and because they normally advise that before you uh, make Aliyah, which is return home. Uh, uh, to actually really go and uh, look at the different neighborhoods. So part of my pilot trip, I made it my like task that I had to go to the milk and honey distillery. I actually Yay. did the whole tour, the the tasting. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, and I think there is a, you know, we will be talking about this a little, I'll touch on this later, but um, there's, a there's I think, an emphasis with a lot of Israeli distillers um, to really use 
use the product of the land. And, yes. you know, that we actually have a, a, a very interesting, one of our craft distillers later uh, has a very interesting uh, uh, way that they bring in water. So oh, use nice. water. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun episode to talk about. So um, how long has the Israeli whiskey distillery movement been going on? I mean, that I don't know. Yeah. So it's uh, so milk and honey, which is really the big dog in the, you know, in the in the scene, uh, was founded in 2013 uh, by Gal Kalechstein. And they put the category of Israeli whiskey on the map, literally, uh, especially since they were the first Israeli whiskey to be recognized in the rest of the world including the U.S., and they won multiple other awards, such as Craft Producer of the Year and Brand Innovator of the Year and Master Distiller of the Year. Uh, And they really credit um, the dynamic climate of Israel uh, with, you know, the maturation, you know, kind of the the flavor and the way the whiskey uh, matures, um, very similar to Cavallon and to uh, Amrut, both are all three are in very temperate climates, very warm climates. So there's the whiskey matures very quickly. You know, you don't have to wait like ten years. Um, so uh, you know, a whiskey, you know, three or five year old whiskey in Israel is the equivalent of like an eight to ten year old in you know a cooler climate. Wow. Um, and the other thing is, uh, and, and that's where, you know, a lot of these whiskeys like Cavallon, like Amrut, there's a lot of tropical notes because of that, uh, specifically because of that climate uh, and the way it's matured. Um, and uh, and also uh, Dr. Swan in, you know, really innovated the uh, STR casks, shaved, toasted and recharred casks. And uh, those uh, really produce a very unique um, whiskey and a lot of, again, a lot of tropical notes and and wood management was really his thing. So, but really, when you think about it, uh, only 10 years, you know, the Israeli whiskey scene has been really only 10 years old, which makes you know, the best single malt in the world award all the more impressive. It's, it is, I'll tell you, it is very impressive. And I really do like the Israeli whiskeys and, and actually interesting enough too, there's a huge uh, craft like beer distill distilleries. The craft beer industry here breweries, is right. the breweries, breweries. Correction, it's actually booming. It's 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 so amazing. Like the I want to say Renaissance or what's happening here in Israel, and I'm just really 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 I guess blessed to be part of this and be here and, and really get to taste that. And I, I will say this: it it there are I. Yes, for I when I tasted uh the their uh their uh whiskey, I did notice that there were it was a little bit more fruitier on that end, which I love because mm-hmm. I told you I, exactly. I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of bourbon, so anything sweet, I love that type right. of uh thing. But um so why did it take so long for Israeli distillery like the distilling movement to get started? Well, it was a combination of a couple of things. A big thing, uh, well, first of all, um, you know, Israeli citizens were traveling more. They were tasting whiskey elsewhere. They were like, oh, hey, you know, uh, why aren't we doing it here? And, you know, and some of the distillers we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, came to Israel from uh, Canada and the U.S. Uh, and But a big part of it was uh, tax reform. Um, mm. the t- uh, 
Israeli tax reforms made whiskey more affordable and more bars began serving it. Um, you know, it, it used to be whiskey used to be taxed at 80 percent of the price of the bottle, 80 percent of the price of the bottle. And now it's taxed according to the amount of pure alcohol it contains, meaning that the tax on like most one liter bottles is only about, you know, 50 shekels or $13, no matter what the price of the bottle. So, um, and again, you know, excuse me, as uh, Israelis are becoming more adventurous drinkers, as you're saying, um, they're traveling and tasting and, uh, you know, and then people wanted to come back and start making whiskeys here. So it was kind of a combination of factors. But um, again, it's kind of astonishing that uh, given the lack of a whiskey, you know, or a distilling scene before, I mean, there's been wine, there's, you know, more beer uh, and breweries coming up. Uh, but really, the whiskey scene is only 10 years old, which is astonishingly young, really, for how accomplished the scene is. Um, you know, it's uh, Israelis are really into whiskey, I want to say. Uh, as a matter of fact, here in Israel, there's an organization called, I think I told you this before, they're called the Whisketeers. And so I can't believe nobody else has come up with that. Yeah, they're called the Whisketeers. They have a huge Facebook uh, page and it, they're all divided each region. So you have the South, North, East, West. Uh, they all have their own like uh, uh, like crest and symbol of like their, oh, their, so their like the cities, you know, like Tel Aviv has, <laughs> Haifa has. And um, what I do like, though, is that there really there is this. um excitement about whiskey that is happening in Israel. I know that there's uh, something called the Whiskey Bar and Museum, which is in Tel Aviv, which is a great place. And mm -hmm. there's a uh, potions bar. There's really a lot of, um, there's a really a lot of like, uh, much like LA, you know, there's a lot of like those uh, places where you can really have and enjoy whiskeys from around the world and, and whatnot. But I do love that. Um, I do have one question for you. Mm -hmm. Um, so what are some of the main distilleries here in, 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 in that, let's say in Israel or the Israeli, uh, that are just what's going on in the distilling scene here? Well, you know, you, you kind of have to divide it into, or I divide it, uh, into being outside of Israel is, you know, there's a lot of whiskeys that are available in Israel that are not available in the U S and elsewhere in the world. I mean, if you go to some, uh, you know, whiskey, uh, like the Whiskey Exchange, for instance, which, you know, ships all over the world, they actually only feature three uh, Israeli uh, whiskeys. Uh, one is with the from the Golan Heights Distillery. Um, mm. They're a family-owned distillery, yes. that, and they're lo located in the Golan Heights. You mentioned them, their, their whiskey, actually. Uh, and they were established in 2014, um, again, by, uh, you know, Immigrants. I mean, I guess they were Aleem, uh, David, and Alona Zibel, and they produce, produced the first Israeli whiskey, not the first single malt, which was produced by milk and honey, but the first Israeli whiskey, and that was released on Israeli Independence Day in 2016. And then they also founded uh, the Yerushalmi Distillery in Jerusalem. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So, do you know those? Yeah. Those um, yeah. The, the Yerushalmi one. Uh, I. You know, um, remember, do you remember this? I. I sent you on what. So, ladies and gentlemen, I normally send uh, Kim what I do sometimes when I get excited. <laughs> I'll send her pictures of uh, whiskeys that I haven't tried, and and she just like sends a reply. So the that was the one that I sent you. Um. Not not so long ago. What was it? 
it was the four seas uh the four seas of canaan uh Uh was one of them and uh i believe uh let me actually one second correction actually um I don't know who actually makes it, the, who makes the, the Four Seas of Canaan, which was the first whiskey that I saw that was not uh, Milk and hun- Honey or, or Golani. And um, anyways, it's exciting because I don't know much about it. But anyways, I'm getting sidetracked here. Yeah, but you loved it, which is, which is exciting. I we, didn't you buy know, it. I is... didn't buy it yeah. because it was really, really <laughs> expensive, but definitely something that I think uh, they're up and coming, I want to say. Uh, for well, sure. you were excited. To, yeah, you were excited enough to send it to me so we can <laughs> geek out over it. <laughs> I know. Um, so he, here's what here's what I want to know. So um, um, I've heard and you please you have to clarify this for me because, you know, I love bourbon uh-huh. that there is an Israeli distillery right now that is creating a bourbon. Is this true? Well, uh, <laughs> it's. There is a Israeli distillery that is uh, trying to create a, a bourbon style whiskey. So legally, I think they were there was a couple of different attempts, and it is um, uh, it is Legends Distillery, and uh, they the distillery is on the site of supposedly of the David and Goliath epic you know confrontation. Uh, so what, which is why they call it Legends. Um, and then a couple of American expats, um, you know, came basically uh, joined together. They were inspired by the site and they wanted to make this whiskey that was bourbon like. But the problem is there are trade agreements. The name bourbon is protected. It's it's it, you know, nobody in the world can use the name bourbon except for American, American whiskey, whiskey that is made in a very, very specific kind so the, um you know these uh these gentlemen were calling it things like um uh american style whiskey or kentucky style whiskey and or bourbon style whiskey or israeli bourbon and uh they can't legally do that uh so what they have to start calling it and they were coming kind of coming up with things like and and slingshot is is you know one of the one of the expressions right you know like again david and goliath and so they were had uh, allegedly had uh, names like slingshot sin apple like a cinnamon apple and uh but they really couldn't call it bourbon uh and they had to kind of back down from that and so what they uh, what they can put on the uh labels is corn mash israeli whiskey very different from bourbon but um but so the master distillers uh noam cohen and alan cole uh you know i mean it's exciting that they want to do something different and are not just you know they're they're kind of the outliers because most of the distillers really want to you know kind of uh take advantage of the land and make something that is very emblematic uh of um you know the the uh, the farms the right. uh wineries the climate um you know uh, milk and honey for instance uh had an award winning whiskey that was maturing at the Dead Sea, which is oh, amazing wow. to me. I mean, they that I didn't. They know. really, yes, they really experiment with you know, kind of maturing whiskeys all over the place to see, you know, I mean, that's I, the lowest place on earth. Yeah. If I'm yeah, correct, yeah. 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 So, um, and and the salinity and the dry, you know, dry heat. I mean, so I 
I have not been able to try that yet. It's kind of hard to find, but I am dying to try it. That sounds just like my cup of tea, but so, but it's really interesting, you know, to me um, that the legends distillers, you know, they're very inspired by the legend, by the history, you know, the biblical history uh, of Israel. And so that's, what's inspiring them as opposed to kind of the land or um, the the water or the grain, you know, so, um, you know, there's, there's inspiration can come from everywhere, basically. So, I mean, I applaud them for wanting to create something, uh, that is bourbon like, but they can't call it bourbon. And and basically, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm glad you clarify that because, uh, when I heard that, I was just like, well, no, you can't call it bourbon, but, I'll just have Cam clarify that for us. Yeah, right. Yeah, to be, you know, to to clarify, bourbon can only be made in right. the US and it has to be made very strict uh 51% corn and and aged in virgin new oak barrels, barrels charred. Yeah. Anyway, blah, blah. so they can do all the same they can do all the same procedures. They just can't call it bourbon. They can, you know, and I know they're doing things like they're uh, contracted with the kibbutz to, right. you know, grow wheat for them and, and corn, not wheat, but corn. Uh, so they're doing really interesting things, but, and I think they were kind of, from what I've read, they, they were kind of cocky. They were like, well, we'll call it, well, we're not going to be, you know, hemmed in by labels, but you Wait, know, that's, a, that's such an international is, standard. That's such know? an Israeli like, mentality. Just, I just want to say that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, um, and it's interesting. So they are one of the, uh, uh, so Cohen um, grew up uh, in, I think it was Detroit. Uh, but anyway, so he is one of the, uh, uh, you know, kind of emigres uh, from, uh, or immigrants from, uh, you know, the United States and Canada, mm-hmm. um, who has a background that includes a, a, a family member who worked during prohibition worked wow. by, by worked, I mean, you know, as a bootlegger. So, <laughs> nice. um, so Cohen's like a fourth generation American and he grew up hearing his grandfather tell, you know, talk about during his childhood, midnight visitors would come to their tenement apartment in the 1920s during Prohibition because his father sold bootleg liquor to speakeasies. So I love that. You know, I love how it ties in. I I like how that ties into it's so it's so fascinating how American the history of American whiskey is tied in, like it's tied into here in Israel. It's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love that story. Yeah, that's a great story. And then actually another one of our, um, actually Pelter, I'd mentioned that earlier when we were talking, uh, you know, when we were talking about four seas of Canaan. So uh, we were talking about Israeli uh, distillers who had a connection with uh, speakeasies mm-hmm. or prohibition. Uh, in America. So Pelter is the other Israeli whiskey uh, that's available outside of Israel. Um, And they were the first, uh, they were the other distillery to first release a single malt whiskey uh, that was over three years old. And um, we've been talking about, uh, you know, connection with the winery scene in Israel. And the Pelter family actually has a couple of wineries, uh, one is kosher and one is not. And but they have a distilling history also from the originating in the 20s. Uh, two of the older Pelter brothers, 
traveled from Detroit to L.A. in a Ford Model T car, which Whoa. is called, you know, Tin Lizzie, yeah, you tin, know. Yeah. And they allegedly called it Old Lizzie. And they <laughs> carried a small still with them. And they were distilling and selling alcohol during the Prohibition period in the U.S. And if you look at the... the um, the labels today, the very same Model T car is used as a distillery logo. Oh, you know, I love, I love stuff that. like that. Yeah, me too. I love that. That's so cute. I mean, it's so cool. Uh, nice. Yeah. They, thanks. Uh, yeah. Thank you for 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 that bit of a, a little history, how everything's tied in. You know, I love those stories. So. Yeah, me too. And, and and our listeners, I'm sure they love that because, you know, we go above and beyond uh, whiskey. We tell we go deep into it. So here's what I want to know. Um, and I, I know the answers to this, but I just want you to for our listeners. Are there any craft distilleries in Israel? Well, I would say the closest to that is the Thinkers Distillery in Jerusalem. I don't know if you visited them at all. Not yet, not yet. But, okay, so they, uh, and it's interesting, so they um, they distill uh, a couple of gins and a couple of vodkas, which a lot of, you know, early, right. uh, you know, distilleries do because those are easy to produce and easy to get out there. And I have not tasted them, but um, they are, the bottles are gorgeous. Uh, really, some of the most stunning bottles I've ever seen. And but they do have sell a bourbon, but this is what they did. Um, they actually went over to Kentucky and they picked a, a barrel, and then they, you know, did they mashed it? I mean, they did everything to create this, you know, this barrel of, of bourbon. They put a cask or barrel. And then they let it rest there for a while, and then they put it on a boat. And for it took six months to travel from you know Kentucky or the U.S. to Israel, and then they let it rest for like another three and a half years. And then the Thinkers team bottled the entire barrel, which is you know I I don't know I think it was 180 bottles. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, they in, like over the course of a week basically just the whole team working together. So, and that's called the do of Bedola B apostrophe D O L A H. I don't think it's available any place except at the thinkers, um, I... you know, distillery and, uh, and it means harmonious and like a, yes. a combination of characters of elements coming together in a harmonious fashion. I got to get a hold of I'll, this. Yeah. It's a gorgeous bottle again. I mean, it's, I, they must spend a fortune on their bottles, but they really took care. So because that was made in the U.S., that is considered a bourbon. So they are are selling the only legitimate bourbon, as far as I can tell, in Israel. And you know that seems to be it's it's a it's a storefront, but they also hold, as far as I can tell, um, like meetings to discuss things. So it's it's a craft distillery, but also kind of a you know think tank. It almost sounds like to me, as far as I can tell. So that that definitely sounds like you know a place, one of the distilleries, one of the many distilleries that we've talked about to visit on the on the uh, Israeli whiskey scene. Now, do they? I, I just for clarification, do they continue to buy the get the barrels from America, the bourbon barrels, to create? As far this? as I know, this is the only one that they've done. Uh, oh, so they wow. may, you know, I mean, they. I think probably once they sell the the you know each of the bottles, which I don't know how much they sell for. I'm assuming it's got to be on the pricey side, considering all the labor that went into it and, you know, to have it shipped over in that, you know, kind of very slow way. 
But it's very interesting that they did that because, um, you know, that uh, having whiskey, like aging whiskey on a boat, that really, uh, that the movement of the waves right. really creates um, additional interaction uh, with between the barrel and uh, the alcohol. So it's really an interesting way to help age your whiskey. Cayo, uh, a Japanese whiskey does that. Uh, and Jefferson's Ocean, uh, you know, whiskey, an American whiskey does that. So it's kind of a tried and true, uh, but very, but, uh, but very not, not used that often. So that's, that was very cool that they did that, but I can't imagine that they can sell this inexpensively. Um, actually, um, I'll tell you the price right now. Uh, give me a second. Uh, I'll tell you what it is. Cause I, I just pulled it up. In case Not people, that I would know what it is. But uh, I'll tell you how much it is how in much dollars. Yeah, look at the uh, bottle. It's, it's gorgeous. A, it's, it's $91. $91. Yeah, I mean, that's not, I mean, that's actually. Oh, no, it's pricey. Yeah, but impressively accessible considering everything that they went through to, yeah. to get it over there. And it's 70. Uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, yeah. Oh, cool. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it and uh, you you said bourbon and I'm going to try to get a hold of this bottle. <laughs> I'll try to get it. Yeah, uh, yeah. You'll have to report back. <laughs> I will. Um, so tell me something. Are there any women in distilling in the distilling scene? Well, uh, mainly, uh, as far as I can tell, the two women who are kind of most prominent came over, uh, you know, came over from the U.S. and Canada and are involved with a couple of these distillers that we've talked about. Um, so Yael Kaplan uh, is one of the co-founders of Thinkers, which we were just talking about, and uh, she co-founded with Avi Ingber, and both of them, they're the co-CEOs. And Yael's husband, Bennett Kaplan, is a master distiller there. So she's very, very involved. And then we were talking about uh, Golan Heights or Golani uh, Distillery and Alana Zybel immigrated over from mm -hmm. Canada with her husband, David, who's very big on the scene. And she's the distillery manager. So both of them are in executive roles. Um, to my knowledge, I couldn't find anything. And I, I don't know if there are any female distillers uh, in Israel or working on the line or working as blenders. So the women's roles seem to be an executive, but they are, you know, very powerhouse women. Yes. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> That's that, that definitely, uh, I can definitely attest to that. So Kim, um, what whiskeys would you recommend people who are, want to try Israeli whiskeys? What whiskey should they try? Well, you know, given the limited um, access to, to Israeli whiskey worldwide, I would say uh, people that have the most luck getting a hold of milk and honey whiskey. I mean, I've that's the one I've seen in the U.S., for instance. And <clears throat> I mean, if you can get your hands on an Elements uh, cask, which is just one best single malt of the year. Yes. Uh, yes, yes, yes. And I actually saw this for, you know, in the U.S., at least in Los Angeles, where I'm based, uh, for a pretty accessible price. I mean, it's kind of one of their... Um, just kind of ongoing, uh, you know, stables of whiskeys. It's not like some big new experimental thing. So, um, you know, so I would definitely try that. Um, I would say you, you can't go wrong with any of the milk and honey whiskeys. I mean, I have a, a three-year-old, I have a special bottle that's a three-year-old and it is spectacular. You would They're never, good, yeah. it doesn't, yeah, you don't, you know, that's the thing about, 
<clears throat> you know, these tr more uh, temperate climates is they age relatively quick quickly. So a young whiskey, you know, a three-year-old whiskey in Scotland would be, eh, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to drink that. Right. But, it, uh, you know, a three-year-old whiskey in Israel or India or Taiwan, Taiwan yeah. you know, it doesn't taste like that. So I would say, you know, any of the milk and honey stable that you can get your hands on, yeah. Because I feel like I can't really recommend a specific whiskey because it's kind of limit more limited yeah, about I what you can find. That. But you know, also you know, uh, I love uh, I I bought a bottle of their their gin because their gin has won a lot of awards as well. Um, oh, and milk yes. and honey is great. I mean, but anyways, Kim, I have a bottle of that gin myself. <laughs> it's so. great, isn't it? It's very. Uh, I mean, I I love it. You know, I I really I'm, I gin I I love gin. Uh, uh -huh, <laughs> right. Well, here, I'll tell you an interesting thing, which was, uh, you know, I was on a whiskey tasting um, with uh, Gall and he recommended uh, adding a drop of when, you know, you, you mix it with a vermouth and then you add a drop of olive oil in the middle. And it really? is unbelievable. So, so I good. I have to try it really that. really picks up that, yeah, that viscosity and everything. I had I made those for Valentine's one year. Oh no! Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna try that. And I have to report back. But listen, Kim, thank you so much. And ladies, oh Romeo, always a pleasure. <laughs> no, it's always a pleasure talking to you because you know we're both uh, whiskey. Well, you're the expert. I'm in the I'm the enthusiast. We're uh, whiskey geeks. Yeah, we're I, whiskey I geeks. think we can say. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for today. We are your host, Romeo, and Kim. Till next time. Bye. Bye-bye.